Yesterday, I had the privilege of debating the future of conservatism in Washington, D.C. with a panel of seriously brilliant intellectuals brought together by the Intercollegiate Studies Institute. These scholars represented the various factions of the conservative movement, and they shed a great deal of light on the problems facing our nation. I felt really privileged to, to even get to join them. And every single person on that panel just got shown up by the most important political philosopher of the week, Nicki Minaj. You can't speak for the fear of the mob attacking you. If that doesn't give you chills up and down your spine, this is scary. You can't just innocently ask a question about something going in your body. I remember going to China and they were telling us, you know, be, you cannot speak out against, um, you know, the, the people in power there, etc. And I remember all of us thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, we understand and we respect the, the laws here and, and, you know, that it's so different where we live. But don't y'all see what's f***ing happening? Don't y'all see that we are living now in that time? People will isolate you if you simply speak and ask a question. I couldn't have said it better myself. If Nikki thinks the U.S. looks like China now, just wait until she finds out that Joe Biden is attempting to deny medical treatment to his political rivals. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Old Schooled, who says, trusting the mail-in voting system is like asking a criminal to take your paycheck to the bank. That is absolutely right. In some cases, it is literally asking criminals to take your, uh, your messages to the places that they're supposed to go. Because a lot of the people who are involved in vote, voter harvesting and the like are criminal type of people. It's hard to sleep easy at night when you think of all the crazy problems in our country. One way to make it easier to sleep easy, go check out MyPillow. You know that I love the MyPillow company. They are a great conservative patriotic company. Wow. I would still shop from them if they were run by the Taliban. I would. I would, because as much as I love their politics and I love what they do, the real reason I, I shop there is the product. They just make the best products. They've got the best pillow I've ever used. They've got these amazing sheets, and now they've got the new My Slippers. My Pillow has taken over two years to develop these wonderful slippers. They're designed to wear indoor, outdoor, all day long, made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. Always made with quality leather suede. My wife, I love her. But sometimes she takes my, my pillow products. She does. She did it with the, the pillow. She Obviously, we shared the same bed with the sheets. She did it with the slippers. Get your slippers today. My Pillow is offering 50% off the new My Slippers. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener's square. Use promo code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Or call 800-651-1148. You can also get deep discounts on all My Pillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the My Pillow mattress stopper, My Pillow towel sets, and more. Go to MyPillow.com. Promo code DAILYWIRE or call 1-800-651-1148. Tell them that we sent you 1-800-651-1148. These deals will not last forever, so call now. Joe Biden is now promising, I won't say threatening, he's promising to cut off medical supplies, potentially life-saving medical supplies, to his political opponents. So Joe Biden, even though the entire focus of the public health 
apparatus and the liberal establishment has been on vaccines and we always need vaccines. They did the same thing during AIDS. We've got to focus all the energy and money on vaccines, not on therapeutics to actually treat the problem. And actually, much like with AIDS, the vaccines have uh, had dubious effect. We still don't have an AIDS vaccine. The reason that people can survive AIDS now is because of therapeutics. Well, same thing with coronavirus here. The vaccines are less effective than we were told they were going to be. And so now people are turning to therapeutics. But the Biden administration is saying he's going to cut supplies to red states. Jen Psaki was just asked about this and the White House doubled down. He promised on September 9th that he was going to send 50% more supply of monoclonal antibodies to states. Yet, the Biden administration is cutting supplies in red states by 50%. Why is the Biden administration cutting these supplies? That's not accurate. So let me give you the accurate information. Uh, first of all, we are increasing our distribution this month by 50%. Over the last month, though, uh, and one thing that I think people need to understand for clarity, facts, I know, I know you're like facts, um, is that monoclonal antibodies are life-saving therapies that are used after infection to prevent more severe outcomes. So clearly the way to protect people and save more lives is to get them vaccinated. But over the last month, given the rise in cases due to the Delta variant and the lower number of vaccination rates in some of these states, like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70% of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited, and we believe it should be equitable across uh, states across the country. We believe it should be equitable, and that is why we're going to cut the supplies to the states that need it, and we're going to give the supplies to other states. And we're going to do so very often on the basis of political affiliation. Notice though, what that reporter asks there. She says, why are you, you're cutting the supplies on the basis of vaccination rates, but many of the people who need them are already vaccinated. So they actually did everything that you're telling them to do, and you're still cutting the supplies to them. And by the way, even though Jen Psaki and the White House and the public health establishment are still harping on the vaccine, don't forget that the vaccine has not been the bulletproof protection that, that we were told it was. There's a headline now. I, I know we're not allowed to report on this, but here it's from NPR. It's, it's from a left-wing news source fact checkers. So please, please spare me. Highly vaccinated Israel is seeing a dramatic surge in new COVID cases. Here's why. And then they try to explain it away. Israel is the most vaccinated place on earth, triple vaccinated in many cases, and they are having a huge spike in COVID cases. Well, here's why. The immunity from the vaccine dips over time and the Delta variant broke through the vaccine's protection and, and Israel's high vaccination rate is still not enough, even though it's more than basically anywhere else on earth. And vaccines are key, but you know, you need to do more stuff than that. And booster shots are great and you got to get the booster shots and excuse after excuse after excuse. It's, it's that it didn't work. It didn't work. Like you all told us it would. Your predictions on the, the efficacy of the vaccines, much like your predictions on every other aspect of the virus, going back to 15 days to slow the spread, were wrong. And so people don't trust you anymore, public health experts. And it's not our fault that we don't trust you. It's your fault that we don't trust you. So now the effect of this is, okay, now that people, for whatever reason, are still getting COVID at this high rate, we're going to cut the supplies. Marco Rubio just came out. He said, stop rationing treatment. 
Every day, it's something new with these people in the Biden administration. And they literally want to punish and control everybody that doesn't do what they want them to do. Here's the latest, all right? Do you know how many people I know, including vaccinated people that got COVID and were able to get an antibody treatment? And as a result of the antibody treatment, it kept them from getting really sick. It kept them from out of the hospital. In some cases, I believe, and I think their doctors believe, it may have saved their lives. I personally know dozens of people that have gone through that, including family members that went through that. Now the Biden administration, because they don't like the way Florida is handling vaccines and not forcing people to do it, in states like Florida as well, uh, now they've decided they're gonna ration the antibody treatments. They're gonna start rationing it. There's not a shortage. There isn't some crisis, but they've decided they wanna start rationing it. This reeks of politics. This is ridiculous. This is outrageous. People see it for what it is. These people are completely out of control. I don't know what we can do about it in Congress, but I'm gonna start looking at it because this stuff needs to stop. These people are bordering now on tyranny and it's outrageous. It has to stop. So Rubio's diagnosis here is totally right. The prescription, it, he, he admits, he says, I have no idea what we're gonna do about it, <laughs> but the diagnosis is right. The left is depriving their political opponents of medicine. That's what it boils down to. This is not medically justified. It's not scientifically justified. It's not uh, as much as Jen Psaki wants to spin it. You can't really make a case for this other than pure revenge and the dehumanization of your political opponents, which we saw just the other night from Don Lemon on CNN. I think if you want to understand why Joe Biden is doing what he's doing, listen to the way that CNN is talking about these same people. I think we have to stop coddling people when it comes to this and the vaccine saying, oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them silly. Yes, they are. The people who aided and abetted Trump are stupid because they believed his big lie. The people who are not getting vaccines who are believing the lies on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. Because they are keeping the majority of Americans behind. You didn't feel that way about the polio vaccine. You don't feel that way about measles, mumps, rubella when it comes to your children. And all of a sudden this vaccine is different. What's different about it? The only different thing about it is because of your politics today. The, the people talk about, well, I don't know what's in the shot, Chris. I don't know what's in that shot. I'll Again, tell you what's not in it. Hold on. A tracking me, device. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, let me finish this. You know, what's the, you know what they, they get shots in nowadays? In their rear ends? They're getting shots to make it bigger? Okay, so there's no reason to go, <laughs> go on listening to uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum here. Not a whole lot going on between Don Lemon's ears, so he said a lot of things that are not true. For, for instance, the suggestion that COVID and polio are the same thing. They're not. One, one will, will attack children, uh, specifically, will cripple you. W- one is a, a really big problem, and the other is a, is a cough that for the vast majority of people is not, not a huge deal. Uh, what is the difference between the vaccines? Well, one is a vaccine we've had for a very, very, very long time. The other is a vaccine that was hastily developed and until very recently did not have uh, FDA approval. So there are big differences here, but I don't, who cares? I'm not even focused on that. What I'm focused on is that first part. They're stupid. They need to be shamed. They need to be left behind. This is just the latest iteration of they're deplorable. They're irredeemable. They're bitter clinging. They don't like you. They don't want you to have political rights. They don't want you to be part of the country. And now they're willing to deprive you of medical treatment. That 
is some seriously dangerous stuff. That, to quote Nicki Minaj, this is like China. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is like China. It is. You don't know the half of it, honey. It is. I'm, we, listen to Nikki. Listen, don't listen to the squishes. Listen to Nikki. When you want to protect your, uh, your life in your digital sense, when you want to protect your life as a matter of your identity, I would strongly recommend you check out LifeLock. Researchers have determined that email phishing attacks and brute force attacks are the two most popular and successful methods cyber criminals use for ransomware and extortion attacks on corporate networks. These attacks are simple to attempt, difficult to detect, and can come with big rewards for cyber criminals. Every day, we put our information at risk on the internet. All of us do that. In an instant, a cyber criminal could harm what's yours your finances, and your credit. Well, good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, like, for instance, your social security number for sale on the dark web. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Michael, no one's after my data. Yes, they are. No, but Michael, they're only after the famous people's data and the powerful people. And No, they're after yours, okay? Protect yourself. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year by going to lifelock.com slash Knowles. That's lifelock.com slash Knowles for 25% off. Speaking of cancel culture, both the cancel culture that Nicki Minaj is decrying and the cancel culture that you're hearing from Don Lemon and the like of, and, and Joe Biden, you know, denying people medical treatment. A math teacher in Missouri just got fired. The math teacher got fired for posting her views on Facebook. This is a a tale that we've heard many, many times in recent years. So Beth Reams, who spent 25 years as an an employee at Pembroke High School in Kansas City, Missouri, was the facilitator for the school's popular conservative club. And uh, she says she avoided politics in her math classroom. She saw no use for it, but she did use her private Facebook page to express her political views. And the problem with Facebook is that even the private pages are not so private. What you put out there on social media will be seen by people. So she's, she made perfectly innocuous points. She, she posted, it's racist to think only white people can be racist. Obviously, that's true. Uh, she put, one time she posted a picture of Al Sharpton, the, one of the most notorious race hustlers in the country, and said, good morning, America. What are we offended by today? It's just these very funny, frankly, milquetoast sort of posts. Uh, this Missouri prep school has now uh, fired her. Now, I think there are three ways to react to this. Three ways, there's the the lib way to react, which is, good, she should be fired. She's not an anti-racist. She's a white supremacist, whatever kind of silly things they're going to say, right? That's the celebration of her being fired. Then there is the sort of moderate way, the maybe call it libertarian or something way to react, which is, this is terrible. This is cancel culture. No one should ever be fired for posting their political views. But that, that reaction, I think, has a problem, which is what if, what if this woman had actually posted ri- bad things? What if this woman had actually posted, you know, swastikas and said, Heil Hitler? It's a political view. Are you, so you're saying she should be fired for her political views, but only some political views, but not the, these political views. But so the, the neutral libertarian say whatever you want I don't think that really works. Then there is the conservative reaction, which is this woman should not be fired, but her radical leftist colleagues should. 
That's my, that's my view. If you post a perfectly innocuous mainstream conservative thing on Facebook, not only should you not be fired for that, but your colleagues who post radical left-wing things should be fired for that sort of thing. At the very least, they should be fired if they bring these sorts of views into the classroom, right? Maybe you say, okay, if it's on a Facebook page and really no one's, it's kind of public though, because it's Facebook, but no one really sees it. Okay, whatever. We're not going to go, you know, interrogate you for thought crimes. But if you express your radical leftist views in the classroom, you should be fired. That's the conservative view. That's the only coherent view. The neutral view is completely imaginary. It's never existed anywhere. And the idea that a high school classroom is a free marketplace of ideas is preposterous as well. The point of schooling, certainly elementary and middle schools, and I think high schools too, is indoctrination. That is the point. You're supposed to learn things. Not You're not just supposed to have a free-flowing, hippy-dippy exchange. That doesn't even really exist. You will learn certain things. And so what are the things that you're going to learn? What the left has done is in the name of academic freedom, they've totally transformed what used to be valuable, serious education into nonsense. And this is one of the paradoxes of education, by the way. Education is meant to make you a free person. That's, that's what liberal education, that's why we call it that. It's meant to make you a free person. But in order to become a free person, you have to be coerced. You have to learn certain facts. And if you get the questions wrong on the test, you get a bad grade. And you have to, you actually have to be forced to become educated, to become free, so that you don't need to be forced anymore. And, and somewhere along the line, we forgot that. We got to go back to it. One thing you hear a lot about in classrooms is uh, trigger warnings, you know, in recent years. This is the idea that before you read any work that might in any way offend your delicate sensibilities, you'll say, trigger warning, this work contains violence or sex or, or whatever. And uh, usually what this is used for is just to suppress uh, great works that uh, contradict leftist orthodoxy. So we've made that point for years on the right and the, the left has ignored it. Well, now there is a study. There is a study that shows that trigger warnings don't work. This is actually a study based on 17 other studies using a range of media, including literature, passages, photographs, and film clips showing that not only do trigger warnings discourage people from reading and viewing important works, they actually do discourage you from engaging in the first place, but they don't even do what we're told they do, namely uh, help people to avoid emotional trauma. The trigger warnings, according to this, these, these studies, do not alleviate emotional distress. They do not significantly reduce negative effect or minimize intrusive thoughts. Two hallmarks of PTSD. And uh, these findings hold for individuals with and without a history of trauma. Like all of these other ways that the left has upended our classrooms and upended our whole culture, they don't accomplish the thing that they are supposedly supposed to accomplish. What they actually accomplish is giving the political order over to the left. And we got to stop falling for it. And, and yet again, in this case, there are, th- there are three reactions you can have. There's the lib reaction of, yeah, we need trigger warnings on everything that might be in any way offensive. And then there's the kind of libertarian view, which is, well, you know, if the teacher wants trigger warnings, that's fine. Leave it up to the, the teacher, or leave it up to the classroom, or leave it up to the school. And then there's the conservative view. Get this out of here. Ban it. Don't permit it. It's bad. It's harming students' education. It's undermining the education. And if you undermine 
liberal education, then you are undermining your, your own free country because the whole point of it is to make free citizens who are capable of free societies and free government. So if you, if you destroy the education, you are destroying free society. Speaking of once free men now apparently becoming captive, I, I have to talk about, I meant to get to this yesterday, this Time Magazine cover. Uh, it's a Time Magazine cover of the world's most influential people, and on it, it's, it's Harry and Meghan. And it's the saddest cover I, I have ever seen on a magazine. It is Meghan standing there looking straight forward. She's in the front of the picture and she's just looking right at you. And then it's Harry kind of crouched behind her, grasping onto her like a little marsupial in the back. And he's holding on to her, but she's paying no attention to him. Men, do not, do not let this become you. This is a cautionary tale. What is wrong with this photo? Some people are saying, well, the photo, Michael, it just shows a, a supportive husband with his wife. But Michael, he's just, he's just caring for his wife. No, I don't see support. I don't see a, a mutual kind of bond of affection here. I see a woman who is in front leading the show, paying absolutely no attention to her husband whatsoever. And then a man who is kind of clinging on to her like a little pet. And I, I don't think this is in any way helpful or supportive. The traditional view is that the husband has some kind of a leadership role in the household. Obviously, that has been inverted here. And it's been inverted just like all of the standards of, of our civilization have been inverted in the middle and later part of the 20th century, largely by feminists, actually. But when you think of good marriages, do you think that the the Markles are a good marriage? Mr. and Mrs. Meghan Markle, do you think that would be an example of a good marriage? Is that the kind of marriage you want to be in? A marriage where you've got this crazy domineering narcissist ripping this man away from his family, from all of his obligations. The, mo- the, mo- the clearest example of natural obligations you would see, the royal family, the whole point of the royal family is to serve the country and merely then to move to Hollywood, to play pretend land, to serve nothing but themselves and their own vanity and their narcissism and their pretend pleas for privacy when all they ever seem to do is go on television and go on podcasts and go on on magazine covers doesn't seem like you want privacy all that much to me and to serve their need for money. They want to make more and more money on their own. Does that seem like a good marriage? It does not. And it is no coincidence that in this marriage, you get that photo, a cautionary tale. Not, not everything, uh, is, is the way that it seems. Okay. The, the supposed good guys in our culture today, the, the people who are on the right side of history, they are the people who are, just to give a sort of random survey off the top of my head, who are on the side of killing babies, of denying medical treatment to their political opponents, of sub- subverting our elections, of denying the right of the people self-government, of destroying education, of <laughs> abusing children, actually, in that case. They're on the side of this total upending of things doesn't seem like they're the good guys do not whatever in the most subtle of ways to quote, to quote the crown. It is in the little things that the rot begins. Do not let that happen to you. Speaking of bad marriages, (laughs) this is, these are marriages that are actually worse than the Markles somehow, incredibly. 
you know, we have all the good guy Afghan refugees coming. It's all, we didn't get all the Americans out of Afghanistan, but we have all these Afghan refugees. They helped us. They were all translators. We somehow half that country was translators and they're coming and they're highly, highly vetted, even though some people who had already been deported from America uh, were now uh, landing in Afghan or landing at Dulles Airport in America from Afghanistan, but they'd been deported 20 years ago. And it seemed, it's a little, that the official narrative seems a little questionable. We are now learning that some of the men, the wonderful refugees that are here, are actually child abusers. They're, they're men who are arriving with child brides who now have to be separated from their husbands because it's not a proper marriage. I mean, some of these girls are as young as 10 or 12 years old, it, it would appear. Th- this is not some random, you know, conservative talking point that's based on some conspiracy theory. Actually, our friend Senator Cruz just got Joe Biden's secretary of state to admit it. On August 27th, according to public reports, you distributed internal documentation highlighting numerous instances and intake centers of sexual abuse in which much older grown Afghan males appeared with children, young children, claimed they were their brides, claimed they were their wives, and the document said the State Department urgently requested guidance. That was your word, urgently. Subsequently, the Department of Homeland Security said that it showed the desperation of families, that they were willing to give little girls to grown men to be subject to sexual abuse and child wives. My question is as follows. Did you receive that urgent guidance? How many children have been subject to sexual abuse? What have you done to rescue young children from illegal and abusive relationships after being brought to America by the State Department? There have been, to my knowledge, a limited number of cases where we have separated people because we were concerned uh, that they were uh, there. The cases I'm aware of, a handful. Just a handful. It's not a big deal. Those are the ones that I'm aware of. But the problem is Antony Blinken isn't aware of anything. And the other problem is there's virtually no vetting going on. I actually just sat down with Senator Cruz in D.C. a couple of days ago. He just traveled to Fort Bliss, which is one of the places where the Afghan refugees are being held. And what he was told by the people on the ground there is there's, there's no vetting going on anywhere. By the way, when, when these refugees are being held in places, it's not as though they're being held in prison. It's just open air. They can, they can just leave if they want. Cruz said that, that <laughs> there was one refugee who just called an Uber <laughs> and who just left. And, and so th- when the senator was speaking to some of the officials there, he said, okay, so how are you processing these people? How are you, you know, going through, going through and making sure they are who they say they are? And what he was told by officials there is, oh, no, don't worry. The vetting took place in Afghanistan. But we, what we were told by the people who were, d- who were monitoring the evacuation out of Afghanistan is that the vetting wasn't going on there as well. I mean, there were people literally clinging to the, to the wheels of, of airplanes, people just flooding on. I mean, it was absolute chaos. So the long and short of it is you've got people who are now bringing their child brides, who are very, very bad people, who are now flooding into the United States. Meanwhile, Americans overseas left behind. Now, speaking of different cultural perspectives on sex, it's a mild way to put child brides, I guess. The toy company Lego has a new set of toys out for kids. It's the Queer Eye toy. 
Queer Eye, the Fab Five Loft. It's from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. You remember that show? And it's all these gay guys who are interior designers and a very popular show. So some people are very upset by this. They say, we shouldn't have a, a, a show called The Queer Eye. They, they shouldn't have little toys for kids. And I, I don't know. I, I, my problem is not with Lego. Okay. My problem is not with the fact that this, this show that focuses on an aspect of the sexual revolution was made into a toy for kids. I think that's inevitable. I think that if you have a culture that is really focused on sex, sex of all kinds, that even sort of an unusual uh, sexual desire would then be the kind of hook for this very popular TV show that's been on for many, many years at this point, inevitably you're going to get toys about that. That's going to permeate the whole culture. And there's no, there's no way to separate that. I mean, this is one of the failures of the you do you idea of society, the libertarian idea. I mean, these were the things that we were debating yesterday in DC. And you can check out that panel at the Intercollegiate Studies Institute. Is It just doesn't work because we actually do live together in a polity, in a society. And my behavior actually will affect other people. The libs are kind of right about this. And your behavior will affect me. And the prevailing standards and mores actually will affect the kind of country that we're going to have. And it's going to affect the way that we individually develop as well. It's going to affect the way that we raise our kids. And so if you, if you have a problem with that, then you need to stand up and actually have the cojones to say, no, we are not going to tolerate certain shows on TV. Whether, I mean, Queer Eye seems kind of low on the priority list of things that you've got to, <laughs> got to get off TV. But you're going to say, no, we're not going to permit certain things in the classroom. No, we're not. You've got to learn the magic word, no. But unfortunately, we got too many squishes. We just saw this with this uh, Republican candidate for governor, Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. He was asked at a debate his, his opinion on the pro-life law in Texas. And I, I think he gave the worst possible answer. I think the Texas bill is one that is the standard right now that we're all looking at. And I would not sign the Texas bill today. As I've said through this entire campaign, I am pro-life. I believe in exceptions in the case of rape and incest and when the life of the mother is in jeopardy. But the Texas bill also, also is unworkable and confusing. What we're not doing this evening is talking to my opponent about his extreme views. See, my opponent doesn't want to talk about this topic tonight because he actually called legislation that would enable abortion, paid for with taxpayer money, all the way up through and including birth, where a child is kept comfortable while decision is made whether that child lives or dies. He called that legislation common sense legislation and said he would sign it. Friends, my opponent wants to be the abortion governor, and I want to be the jobs governor. Mr. Youngkin, your time is up. This was a bad answer. He thought it was such a clever answer. It's a bad answer. And it just learn this lesson, folks. What, what Glenn Youngkin thought he was doing here by, a, by criticizing the Texas law, but still saying, I'm pro-life, except for some, I'm willing to kill some babies, but not all babies. And, you know, and, and, uh, but it's a bad law and I hate it. I wouldn't have it here. But, and my opponent, then he, he made one good move, which is he said, my opponent's really radical on abortion. Okay. That's, that's true. You know, let's talk about abortion third trimester abortions with that, that degenerate Terry McAuliffe supports. Uh, but then he says he wants to be the, the abortion governor. I want to be the jobs governor. And it's just, he thinks that he's placating the pro-lifers and allaying the fears of the pro-abortion people. In reality, he's doing neither. He's, he is now losing the trust of conservatives who think he's going to go squish on a very important issue. And he's not picking up a single lib vote. Not one lib was convinced by his answer. Who, who previously was going to vote against him was, was convinced to vote for him. It just, 
it was too clever by half. Politicians do this a lot. Do not, now is not the time to squish. Now is the time for leadership. And uh, we're in a moment of real political realignment. I think Nicki Minaj is, is actually showing that. And uh, so, so now is the time to actually, people want to follow leaders. They don't want to follow squishes who are trying to sneak into a, a job by ignoring very important political issues and just saying, I'll get you better jobs. Speaking of uh, jobs, the federal government uh, does not want us to uh, continue to do business because we are not going to force our employees to shoot themselves up with this experimental drug. And so they're going to try to come after us and they're going to threaten us with major fines. And we're not going to comply with Biden's stupid mandate. So if you want to help support us, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code do not comply at checkout for 25% off. We'll be right back with the mailbag. It is my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. First question up is from Elise. Oh, it's sort of like sweet little Elisa from Elise. Hey, Michael, I'm a single woman in my 20s and I have a dating question. Dating is not super fun for me and I have a lot of anxiety about it. When I actually like someone, I get in my head and overthink everything, which makes me act not like myself and I feel like it messes things up. What are your thoughts on how, not how to be confident just being myself or on how to be confident just being myself and not overthinking too much about the outcome. Sincerely, sometimes I think I think too much. This happens to a lot of people. Usually it's men who complain about this, but, but it can happen to women too. I, for one, actually find it kind of charming. If, if back in my single days, if I'm talking to a woman and she gets a little bit nervous or blushes or something, I, I really like that. I think that that is sort of evidence that she likes me, you know, and, and, and vice versa. I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world, especially when a woman does it. Because, you, you know, the, the man, because he is the one pursuing the woman, he's the one asking her out. He, I think, needs to appear more confident. But uh, if the woman, you know, demonstrates her affection or kind of gives in a little bit, I, I actually think that's, that's sort of charming. But, but if you want to seem a little more confident, just to keep in mind this. One, in the individual interactions, very likely you are the one being pursued. Very likely it's not you doing the pursuing this. So you might be putting yourself out there, but, but it's very, you know, just as a matter of the sexes, usually it is the men who are pursuing the women. And so you're already in the position of power, right? You are, you are already the one who can say, yes, I want to go get a drink with you or no, I don't want to get a drink with you. And uh, beyond that, how does a, gosh, I get, it's, it's a little trickier. I can tell a man how to have confidence, but how does the woman have confidence? I guess, I guess consciousness is, is one of the ways that a woman can have confidence. Just remember that every insecurity that you have, you feel that you're, whatever, your body doesn't look good or you're, uh, you know, you're a little too weird or you're, I don't know, women have all sorts of insecurities, even more than men do. Just remember that every other woman in human history has had all of those insecurities and, and just, just be cool about it. Just recognize, hey, I am no different in this regard than any other woman who has ever lived. And so, yes, maybe I'm feeling anxious. Yes, maybe I'm feeling nerves. Yes, maybe I'm feeling butterflies. Every other woman has as well. 
from Anthony. Hello, Mr. Knowles. During the latest Backstage episode, Jeremy mentioned how Protestantism was in decline in America while Catholicism was in the ascendant. Do you agree that the Catholic Church is ascendant? As someone who attends the traditional Latin Mass, I do see the growing side of the Church. However, with Pachamama, Cardinal McCarrick, the Pope's suppression of the Latin Mass, liturgical abuse scandal, it seems that the one true Church has its fair share of issues, issues which hold it back from having the real cultural influence it once enjoyed. Love the show and appreciate all you do. Uh, yes, the Catholic Church has a ton of problems. Uh, Hilaire Belloc famously said, he said, I have to take it as a matter of faith that the Catholic Church is divinely instituted, but for non-believers, proof of that divine institution is that no other institution conducted which, with such knavish imbecility would have lasted a fortnight. So this has been a longstanding issue in the church, and in recent years, it's gotten worse than it has been in the past. That's actually not the point that Jeremy was making, as I understood it, and it's, it's not the point that I think is pretty good. Jeremy is observing that many of the people who are leading the new right, you know, who are really in the ascendant in their influence in, in the conservative movement in America, Patrick Deneen, Sohrab Amari, Adrian Vermeule, a number of other people are Catholic. And Jeremy thinks this is kind of weird because America, we are told, is a Protestant country. And this is maybe because the mainline Protestant churches have collapsed. I think that's true. This is maybe because the evangelical churches have become shockingly left-wing in just the last few years. I mean, really, George Floyd was one of the moments that really brought a lot of evangelical churches to the left. And a lot of my evangelical friends have complained about that. Sure, uh, that, that too. But I think what Jeremy is failing to appreciate is a, is a little secret about conservatism in America, which is that it has always been led by Catholics, which is really weird because it, it, America does seem like a Protestant country. And yet you go back, even not that far, but you go back to the, the origin of the modern conservative movement. Who do you have? Bill Buckley, Catholic. Brent Bozell, Catholic. Phyllis Schlafly, Catholic. Uh, James Burnham, even, Catholic. Uh, Frank Meyer invented fusionism, Catholic. The list goes on. Oh, Russell Kirk. Oh my gosh. One of the most important conservatives. Catholic. And if they didn't all start out Catholic, they became Catholic over time. Why? I'm not going to make any religious point exactly for, you know, about the religious truth of Catholicism. I'm just going to point out that Catholicism is an incarnational faith. So it's a faith that says it doesn't matter if you just think about things all the time. You actually have to do it. You have to do the sacraments. You have to receive the literal body and blood of Christ. You actually, you got to put it in your body. It's a real thing with a real pope who wears a real hat. And that, that is just a different approach than uh, more rationalistic approaches to, uh, to religion and ultimately to politics. And so there is a reason that the Catholic Church is one of, if not the only institution that survived from antiquity through modernity. It's because it, it partakes of that real thing. The understanding that what happens in time and space actually does matter. And I think that's a deeply conservative view. So even beyond the questions of, you know, what, what church you go to on Sunday, I, I think the, the Catholic view of the whole wide world and the Catholic view of politics is just naturally going to lend itself to conservatism. And it's why the most effective conservatives in America, even in a Protestant country, ha have been Catholic. From Emma, dear Michael, I come to you from a difficult spot. I'll get right to it. My husband wants a threesome, Ugh. but I'm not so into the idea. Personally, I hate the idea of seeing him with another woman. He's offered bringing another man into the mix instead, but then I can't understand why he would be okay seeing me with another man. He says he wouldn't be jealous because it's about pleasing me, but I don't think I'd enjoy it. I love my husband, but don't know what to do. Any insight would be appreciated. Sincerely, three's a crowd. Yeah. Your husband is acting like a degenerate and you should tell him that and uh, just be very blunt with him. And, you know, look, people do all sorts of 
curious, kooky things in, in the bedroom, especially these days, because it's much more socially acceptable. What you said there, I think, highlights the problem. There was that one line you said when you said to your husband, hey, why do you want to watch some other dude shtup your wife? And, and he said, well, because it's, I'm, I wouldn't be jealous. It's about pleasing you. It's not about pleasing you. It's not. Marriage is not just about you and he each receiving more and more pleasure for yourself. Sex is not just about you getting pleasure and feeling good. There's an aspect of that, but really what it is, it is about is the union of two people. There is a unitive and, dare I suggest it, procreative aspect of that. It's actually not primarily about you. It's primarily about the other person to whom you have vowed to be loyal and faithful for your life, vowed before God himself and before the community. So it's a political act as well. Something tells me your husband has just gone down some, you know, not so healthy roads, maybe in his thoughts, maybe he's looking at naughty things on the computer. I hope he's not cheating on you, but whatever it is, look, this, this happens to men, I think much more than it happens to women. And, you know, men have certain instincts that can be either suppressed or exacerbated. So they can be suppressed by practicing virtue and they can be exacerbated by giving into vice. And the more you do either of those things, the more of it you're going to get. So what I would recommend if you think your husband, as I do, is acting like a, a de- degenerate and a derelict, uh, you should say, okay, buddy, stop thinking those thoughts. Whenever you start thinking those thoughts, think of something, think of, think of baseball, Think of grandma, whatever, think of, get some, anything to get your mind way off those thoughts. Uh, if he's looking at porn, which I bet he is, tell him to cut it out and, you know, tell him that he needs to put uh, filters or whatever, you know, so there, there is software, I think, that you can put on your computer to, so that that doesn't happen. Just tell him to work on it because he has these desires now, presumably because he has stoked them. You, you sometimes hear this, that, that human beings have two wolves in them, the bad wolf and the good wolf. The bad, the bad guy part and the good guy part. Well, which wolf is, controls who you are? Whichever one you feed is the answer. And so you can create these really bad pathways in your brain. You can really exacerbate these disordered desires. And the, it's going to be difficult to stop that. But the, the way to stop that is to stop feeding that bad wolf. Okay. And then over time, the, the better desires will become the more dominant ones. Best of luck. Don't have a threesome. From Brandon. Hey, Michael, I'm a member of the U.S. Army. And as you know, we've been hit with massive vaccine mandates. I've requested religious exemption from the vaccine for two reasons. One, I don't think it would be morally right to benefit from a vaccine that was developed at the expense of the lives of unborn children. Two, I believe that specifically the nucleic acid technology used in the J&J Moderna and BioNTech, I didn't even know about that one, vaccines are not in line with Christianity. Since these vaccines would change the creation of God at a fundamental cellular level and even potentially genetic level, uh, what are your thoughts? Thank you. And sincerely, a concerned soldier. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I strongly oppose the vaccine mandates. I think it's awful. I think you should try to, if, if you don't want to get, uh, look, if, if you want to get the vaccine, I can see a bioethical argument to do it. But uh, as I've said from the very beginning, I think this is a prudential matter that, that really you should have much more control over than say Joe Biden does or your commanding officer does. The problem is that uh, a lot of religious institutions, up to and including the Catholic Church, are not giving religious exemptions. The bishops have said it is permissible to get the vaccine, and some have even gone further than that. Uh, so if you're, if you're Catholic, for instance, you're, you're probably not going to get one. You might be able to get a medical exemption if you find the right doctor. Uh, if, and now if you're a member of some other you know, religion, 
you might be able to get a religious exemption, but my only caution to you here is it's very hard to get them. I've talked to friends of mine who are in the military who are not having any luck getting them. So uh, this is a, uh, as, as the vaccine should have been from the beginning, the way to avoid getting the vaccine is a prudential matter to you, but I think that mo- most options are on the table. From Nick. Hi, Michael. Oh, no. Oh, no. Me again. Uh-huh. This has been a while since we, let's, why do we take questions from Nick? I, the, for those who are just tuning in and are not aware, Nick has, assuming it's the same Nick, Nick has had some of the most colorful questions in the history of my show. All right, let's get on with it. Since breaking up with my above average girlfriend last month, I've enjoyed living my life like a phoenix rising from the ashes. However, rather than diving in the sea of babes, I've tried to be more productive with my Viagra level sex drive and focus my testosterone on combat sports training. That's actually, I'm, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I joined an MMA gym and quickly became the gladiator level stud at the gym and love sparring and wrestling around the mats with these dudes. No homo. My question is, when is it morally appropriate to use these new deadly weapons? My fists, feet, and perfectly formed biceps on someone. (laughs) I'm borderline ready to walk the streets at night hoping to find someone littering that I can take to pound town. No homo. (laughs) P.S. Do I want to read this P.S.? P.S. I took your advice and threw a stick outside my office hoping that it would land near someone that I could marry. It's a long story, so I'll just say Doug in accounting might be a tad bit homo. Nick, Nick, Nick. What, what would be a positive? I, I don't want to just criticize you because I actually think you've made some improvements since you've been writing about your derelict relationship with women. I think it is good that you're channeling your uh, obviously above average levels of virility and energy toward uh, improving yourself, and in this case, your physicality, and not toward leading women astray. That's, that's good. Um, as to your question, when should you go out looking for a fight. You should never go out looking for a fight. It's a bad idea. Do not, that is now another thing that you have to resist. Don't take your guns to town, Bill. Leave your guns at home, Jim. Don't take your guns to town. Uh, we have a law enforcement apparatus in this country to deal with criminals just so that you do not become a vigilante. This is a very bad thing. Defend yourself when you've got to defend yourself. You obviously have a right to do that and you have really, I think, an obligation to do that. But and certainly to defend innocent people. But you do not have the right and the authority to go out and take anybody to pound town just because you want to swing your deadly weapons. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boren. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. 
Hey everybody, this is Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the Republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the Republic with me, Andrew Clavin.